It was interesting, uh, earlier this morning in the pre-service prayer meeting, uh, Cody actually prayed uh, for me as I bring the word of God on our soaking Sundays, and he said, you know, I, I just pray that the, the, the soaking is good, and he looked suspiciously at me and said, whatever that looks like. And he was right to be suspicious. Because I don't know about you, but as soon as somebody says the words soaking Sunday to me, I get this, this Christian hot tub time machine vibe going on. That, you know, the Holy Spirit comes while we're all in an outdoor hot tub somewhere with our, our skin getting all wrinkly and pruney um, as he s- sort of soaks into us as, as we relax and do squat while he does all the stuff. And I've come to realize that that's a really, really dangerous way to think because that's not what soaking in the Holy Spirit is all about. The only, the only similarity between a hot tub and the Holy Spirit is that it, it, it's, it's, all that it's trying to get into us. It's trying to maximize the amount of moisture that can get into us or the amount of Holy Spirit that gets into us. But there, the similarity ends. Because the topic I've given my my message this morning is why would the Holy Spirit speak to you? Or I could phrase that slightly differently. Why would the Holy Spirit speak to you? Why would the Holy Spirit speak to you? But basically we we need to ask the question, if we're going to soak in the Holy Spirit, if we're going to have the Holy Spirit speak into our lives to be part of us, why would he do that? Not because he likes the idea of us soaking in a hot tub doing absolutely nothing. And so today, now don't get me wrong, today isn't a complete doctrine of the Holy Spirit and his place in New Testament theology. I actually just want to get us started by looking at the biblical foundation of what we can see are the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. And this morning, I'm going to continue the convention I started last week of asking you to look up the scriptures because I'm not going to put them up on the screen. So if you're at home, hopefully you've, you've remembered, you've got your Bible, you've got your phone primed, ready to go with your version or Logos or whatever Bible, Bible gateway software you've got. And if you're here this morning, I hope you can do the same. Now, I'm going to give you a bit of a hint. I'm going to put a, a slide up which actually has the scriptures I'm going to use on it so that you can actually look ahead. In fact, if you really want to, you can try and guess where I'm going with this by by reading the scriptures as we get into them. Uh, And there will be a bit of interaction later on with those sheets of paper that uh, I put on the seats here, and I hope that you have gone and got at home uh, and found a pen. If if you're here and you don't have a pen, just lift your hand up. Loretta has spare pens at the back, um, so she can grab you one so that uh, you can do some writing later. Not right now, just a bit later on. So last week, we looked at the idea that that the Holy Spirit is involved in the creation process of turning chaos into order. And we looked at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. So if you'll all turn there, I'll have to remind myself to pause a little so that you've all got time to find that. Because I can't turn around and say, look, it's up on the screen. It's on my notes though, I've cheated in that sense, so that I don't have to look up the Bible. But if you remember Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, 
Are we there? It shouldn't be a hard verse to find in the Bible. It sort of is the beginning. And it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And as we read on, we saw that there was... Uh, the Holy Spirit was involved in this conversion of tohu vavohu. I'd like to get that Hebrew word in as often as I can. Uh, or, or chaos and wasteland to become the earth and the, and the heavens as we know them now. And we focused on the evidence we see in biblical history of the importance of recognizing that our relationship with the Holy Spirit is not just an individual personal connection, but also, and possibly more importantly, a community relationship. Can I grab that table, <coughs> please? Thank you. I was gonna have a mint as well. There's nothing like a, a mask to tell you you've got bad breath. And if you can smell it, imagine what other people are thinking. I did have breakfast, so it shouldn't be too bad. But. Um, Personal devotion, prayer time are important, but community, scripture discussion and prayer are essential to help us carry the presence of God throughout the day rather than just our devotional time of 30 minutes, hour, hour and a half, two hours in the morning. Five minutes, whatever. <laughs> two minutes. So to add to the interactivity of this morning's discussion, this is why I've got you to uh, grab that piece of paper and the pen. Uh, to actually write yourself some questions to ask yourselves a little bit later. So we know that the Spirit of God is in us. If you turn to a bit further on in Genesis, to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. We discover, it says, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life the ruach, into the man's nostrils and the man became a living person. I don't know if you're uh, using the Bible Project Act to go on a journey through Genesis, and if you're not, I recommend that you do. Because um, it's about here you discover, I, I don't know what you thought differentiated mankind from the animals in God's creation and made us special. Um, but if you go on that journey, I think you'll probably find it's not what you thought. It wasn't what I thought. And if you want to find out what it is, you have to actually go on that journey because I'm not going to tell you. But it's pretty momentous. I, I really enjoyed finding that out. It was a really mind-blowing piece of uh, Bible non-trivia. Certainly not tri trivial. But we know that that the Spirit of God is in us because God actually breathed His breath, His Spirit into our, our nostrils and we became living people. And we know that He gives us, and in fact, all creation life. But we know that He is with us in a relationship sense, which is, just, which is more than just life-giving. And we can see that in John 16, 13, which is a big jump. You might have to take your while to find that. That's in the New Testament. That's lots of pages over or a quick search in the search bar, depending on what medium you're using. Give us a wave if somebody's got there. 
Good, a few people. Uh, keep looking, I'll, I'll, I'll read it. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he's heard. He will tell you about the future. And this is the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And we often consider this infilling phenomena to be something that only happens in the New Testament. But we can actually see examples of it in the Old Testament as well. And I want to focus on one of those this morning to help us with our own relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now remember, this is biblical, divine, human relationship basics. I want us to start from scratch here without worrying about the things we put on top top of that, things like well, how we feel anointed or what we feel called to do by God. This is, this, we're looking at you know, basement level here. We can build that on this, but first of all, we have to know from the biblical perspective what the Holy Spirit is going to do and why the Holy Spirit should speak to you, or me for that matter. So this, this, is, this is really basic stuff. This is, this is kindergarten theology, if you like. Now, whatever theology you may have built on top of that, just ignore that for the moment. I'm not discounting it, but we're ignoring it. So, in Exodus chapter 35, verse 30, we get this great example of this, this nobody. And if, I'll keep talking about it while you're turning there. Exodus 35, 30. Anybody got it? Good, okay, you guys are good. You must read your Bibles. Oh, you've been cribbing from the, the sheet at the back. Oh, well done. So Exodus 35:30 says, Moses told the people of Israel, the Lord has specifically chose, chosen Belzalel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur of the tribe of Judah. The Lord has filled Belzalel with the spirit of God giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. Now, we've suddenly come across this guy, Belzalel. Never heard of him before. doesn't appear in the Bible before this. And he's not a king. He's not a priest. He's not a warrior or a prophet. He's an ordinary person. In fact, he's a tradie. Now, a very good tradie. To be fair, he's at the top of his game. Now, Moses has chosen him. But it's, it's interesting what the infilling of the Holy Spirit does for this guy. Because it says it gives him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. Now, when it comes to wisdom, we don't often think of tradies. Because, you know, <laughs> in the classical sense. Because for us, wisdom is this pontification, beard-stroking knowledge that old people uh, pass on because of their, their life experience or because of their exposure to large amounts of BS. Um, and, and it's not something we equate with crafts or, ski, or, or physical skills. But the, the Hebrew word used here actually does mean basically that he was good with his hands, that he had the skills to build things. Wisdom is actually knowing how to do stuff. And biblical world, wisdom in particular is about how to actually get things done. It's not about being, being full of head knowledge and being able to spout that in front of a classroom or, or mentoring people or however we think of wisdom these days. It's actually, wisdom is the ability to go and get stuff done. And so we've got this, this tradie filled with the Holy Spirit 
And you sort of think, well, does a tradie need to be full of the Holy Spirit just to do his job? I mean, it'd be nice, right? But you know, most of us do our job without sort of that feeling that the Holy Spirit is guiding us sort of minute by minute as we do it. But the answer is a little further in Exodus in chapter 36, in verse 1. And I assume you're all there because you've cheated and gone ahead. It says, The Lord has gifted Belzalel, Belzalel, Bezalel, Bezalel, I'll get it right. Uh, Aholiab <laughs> and the other skilled craftsmen, even they couldn't name the rest of them, with wisdom and ability to perform any task involved in building the sanctuary. Let them construct and furnish the tabernacle just as the Lord has commanded. They're there to build the tabernacle. So they actually have a special task. They're doing something which is actually honoring God, which is actually bringing, bringing the whole nation of Israel into a place where they can connect with their God. This, this isn't just some building that they've been given. This, do this to code. Will you just make sure that nobody finds any sort of gaps in the, in the, um, in the um, floors or you know, no substandard concrete in the, in the holes or anything like that. This is, you know, we've called you to build the tabernacle. You're going to need something special because you are doing this for God. And the closest I think we get to that, especially in the New Testament, is in Colossians 3.23, where it says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than people. And I think this is, this is where we come to with, with the Holy Spirit. Why would the Holy Spirit speak to you? Why would the Holy Spirit speak to me? Because we're doing something for the Lord. We're not sitting in a hot tub getting pruny skin. We're actually out there on the front line doing something for God. And that might raise a question for you. It's like, well, what am I doing for God? How do I do something for God? And so I want to start, ask ourselves, you can get your piece of paper now and your pen. And I've got Jord here to give us some thinking music. And I just want to ask you to ask yourself five questions. The first is, what natural talents do you have? So you can write down, what natural talents do I have? Now, some of you will already be making a long list. Others of you will be thinking, I don't have any natural talents. And this can be anything from the ability to work out polynomial equations in your head in the blink of an eye, to just being good at talking to people. It can be a, an ability to do team sports really well, you're a good team player, it can be uh, individual athletic ability, it can be the ability to uh, quiet small children with a single glance. Um, any of these things that, that, that you know is just something you've always been able to do. And that can be one or it could be several depending on how you're feeling about your natural talents.
you may have a natural talent for irritating people. Probably not one you should own up to. Although most people with that natural talent don't know they've got it. If we had more time, I'd, I'd say, ask your neighbour what your natural talents are. But we won't go there. The second question I want you to ask yourself is how do you use your natural talents? Now again, this can be, this is, this is more like, you could say just in everyday life or you may have got a job or a career that uses your natural talents or it may just be a hobby that you use your natural talents in or a sport or recreation of some sort. Uh, it can be anything. And, and some people don't use their, their natural talents much, that's okay. But it's a question of what do you use it for? They're going at home with this. Hopefully, well, you're in a more relaxed setting, so there's probably people kibitzing, sort of giving you ideas that you didn't know you had, you had or didn't want to have. So, okay, question number three. What is your best learned skill? So what have you done in training, whether it's physical, mental, spiritual, emotional? What, what have you been trained to do? either at school or in college, university, or the school of hard knocks in your job, uh, in your family? What, what is something that you have learned to do that is your, that is, is your best, or one of your best? You, again, you might have hundreds. You might have one or two. What is the thing that you've learned to do that, that you do well? And of course, the fourth question leans into that. How do you use that skill set? Similar to the natural talents, you know, do you use it as part of your career? Is it a hobby for you? Is it something you just bring out at parties? Um, how, how, what do you actually do with what you've learned in life? last question imagine imagine of becoming New Zealander or something <laughs> or possibly South African I'm not sure imagine if like Bezalel the spirit of God filled you with great wisdom ability and expertise what could you build for the kingdom of God in other words, how could you use your natural talent or your skill set or both if you were suddenly filled with the Holy Spirit and you could use that to build the kingdom of God knowing that you couldn't fail, 
knowing that God was going to supply all your needs, knowing that no obstacle could survive against you. Now, it may be something you're already doing. That's fine. Maybe something you wish you were doing. Maybe something you're afraid of doing. And it may be something you can't think of at the moment. But don't worry about that because this is all homework. Because I don't expect you to answer or have all the answers for that in the five minutes I've just given you. If we want to be people who are soaked in the presence of the Holy Spirit, the, the basis for any of that is for the Holy Spirit to be able to accomplish something with what we're doing. It's that old story of you know, trying to steer a parked car. It's really hard to move the wheel. But once that car is moving, steering becomes a lot easier. Now, what we're asked to do in that scenario is to actually provide the motive power and let the Holy Spirit steer. Our problem is that we like to steer. And so I want you to take those questions home with you this week. Think about them in your prayer time and your devotional time. Find other scriptures that talk about the presence of the Holy Spirit in people's lives. What the character of the Holy Spirit is. What the Holy Spirit wants to do in the lives of the people that you can read about in the Bible. What his breath accomplishes. The Holy Spirit, in at least a lot in the Old Testament, is really tied in with the creative process. Did you know that when the ark landed on Mount Ararat, the seas were cleared away by the wind of God? This is another word for the breath of God. The Spirit of God actually was involved in reducing the flood. In all major moves of God, it's the Spirit of God who's there changing chaos into order. And we can be part of that creative process. We are called to be agents of change, not agents of chaos. I think you have to be a certain age to <laughs> or have parents who have done that. So I want, I want you to take that home, but before I finish, I want to offer an opportunity, especially if you're online and I, and I don't know who you are or that you're here anonymously. If you want to take a, a step today, make a decision that you want to be soaked in filled with the Holy Spirit, but you don't know God, you haven't made a commitment to God, you haven't decided in your own heart that you want Jesus to be Lord of your life. You want his Holy Spirit to fill you and walk as a child of God. Then I want to encourage you this morning. You can press that button in the chat that says raise hand and one of our team will get together with you privately and you can talk about how to make that step from doubt into power, from, per from loneliness into personal relationship with God. And they'd be happy to help you take the first steps on that journey.
I'd just like to pray before I close. I know some of you think that preaching like this is cheating because the guy up the front should be doing all the work and you should just listen and, and absorb what it is and go away and do nothing with it as soon as you've walked out the door. But I think we, we, we need to take charge of our responsibility when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. I don't think God takes a day off just because he sees us being lazy. But sometimes I, th I think we have this idea that as we slow down, God slows down. As we separate from God, he takes a step back too. Whereas I believe as we're stepping back, God is keeping moving forward closer to us. So I, I just want to pray for a, a closing of that gap, a healing of that rift, a stronger connection between us and the Holy Spirit. We need to work on why the heck the Holy Spirit would want to speak to you. So Lord, we thank you for your persistence. We thank you that your Holy Spirit pursues us relentlessly, waiting for us to turn and open our arms and say, yes, yes, Lord, yes, Holy Spirit, speak to me, steer my life, empower me to be wise. Let me use my talents, my skills for your kingdom through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.